Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. Nikki Moffat, let's throw the intro out of the window today. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Kirstie Rice. And how are you today? I'm very, very well. Uh, Nikki, should we get straight into it? I had a friend come to visit yesterday and she was telling my kids that she's a podcast listener. She's not an expat. And she said, I don't listen to any of that expat stuff though. I just listen to the, <laughs> to the, what they're, what they're reading and and doing and and just for the chat um I should tell you about that because she's a mutual friend this is our lovely friend Kylie Ladd uh Nikki who you and I both met online years and years ago yeah an amazing woman is our Kylie in that she is a a a neuropsychologist uh just as her day you know hobby (laughs) and then yeah, it's the rest of the time she is writing fabulous books and she has a new book out, Nikki, which sounds bloody amazing. It, she launches it on the day I leave. So I can't go to the book launch because I'd love more than anything to fly to Melbourne and do that. But the book, oh, I'm testing myself. The book is called I'll Leave You With This. What do you think a book like that would be about, Nikki, if it was called I Leave You With This? Oh, come on. That's unfair. I'll leave you with this. <laughs> could be it's a letter. So it could be a piece of conversation. <laughs> it could be a statement. It could be a present. It could be. It could be an organ, which is what it is. It, I just love the premise of this book. Uh, it, it's about. Yeah. It's about. I think it's four sisters, it could be three, but three or four sisters who are searching for the recipients of their brother's transplants. So I just think it sounds so good and and she does write very good books. I'm I'm a bit excited about this one. Uh, But, yes, you, yourself, myself and Kylie, we met in those beautiful days that we talk about. On Twitter. Twitter Twitter was a nice place. (laughs) When it was a lovely place. place. It was a kind place. (laughs) I think with Kylie, one of the uh, initial attractions too was Kylie had lived an expat life. Um, so, So her husband had worked in the UK and then in Canada. So she and she'd had a couple of children along the way. She'd done one location where she'd worked. She'd done another location where it was very hard because there were language issues. So she had a full understanding of uh, the trials and tribulations of trying to pick up and pack up your career whilst having children and having a partner with a very busy job. And, um, yes, so we all became friends through writing and being on um, Twitter and chatting and it was just such a nice time, Nikki. I think back of those times of just, I mean, because this is before Facebook groups and before WhatsApp chats and before any of those things. It was the OG, wasn't it? So It's so lovely that you had a lovely visit with her. That's so nice. And she posted a lovely photo today. And then a lot of people (laughs) that that commented on the photo were from from the old Twitter days, which I thought was really lovely. Like I I recognised a lot of the names on there which I thought was really sweet. Yes, yes. Okay, Nikki, we're going to get into our questions. We now do a how will you expat question. I get one, you get one. I will start with you, Nikki. How will you settle? And what I mean by that is that expats traditionally have very itchy feet and now you and your husband are looking at buying a business in Australia that I imagine requires quite a time commitment, perhaps seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, Nikki, how are you going to settle in one spot? 
That's a great question, Kirsty, and I think it's well worth thinking about. And I think part of it is something that I really don't do or I don't actually do knowingly, but it's more like a visualization or an advanced thought process in that I'm telling myself and I've told my husband and I've said to a lot of people, once we go back to Australia, we don't need to travel anymore. We don't need to go on overseas holidays. We've done all that. Like we just want to be in Australia and we want to stay foot and we want to explore Australia. And and also I think I'm spending a lot of time explaining to my husband about this kind of business and, and how time-consuming it is and how you can't really expect to have a lot of time to yourself or do a lot of travel or move around a lot. So I think that I'm... I'm setting expectations in my mind myself about that. So sort of in advance. So anything that we can do would be like a bonus. Like uh, I'm sort of thinking mm-hmm. about that. So we talked about next Christmas with our families and what that would look like given that, that we were had an away Christmas this year and that the kids came to Europe and we did that here. And, uh, and I, we said, well, next year, We'll be in Australia, regardless of where we end up, we'll be in Australia. So, and I said, but you know, that depends. We might have to do a Christmas at another time of year, or people might have to come to us, or we might have to miss out and do it again by ourselves. So, um, I'm just, I guess that doesn't answer the question in total, but it's about a mindset. So, when you're moving or when you're going somewhere or embarking on something new, you set expectations with yourself. And obviously, you hope that those expectations come true. And obviously, Sometimes they don't. Sometimes things are much better than you think and sometimes things are much worse than you think. So I think that if I'm doing that in my mind, mentally setting the expectations that I'm going to be embarking on a much smaller life in that, you know, less travel, um, obviously not smaller in the terms of, you know, enjoying life's full experiences, mm-hmm. but just in terms of the travel and the environment and, you know, you have to really throw yourself into a new place and a new location. And certainly if we mm. have a new business that we're doing, you know, we, we've we always said, you know, first Christmas we stay in our home country. So it's the same kind of thing. Like we just set all those expectations up in advance. And so we don't have any disappointments when when they happen. And we're talking sort of a, mm. like a, a three-year commitment of our time quite seriously. And then after that, we're saying, you know, we'll have time to, to travel or do things that we want to do. So that's how I'm going yeah. in at the moment. <laughs> right. So you say three years. So, I, I mean, that that tells me a lot too. So you're just sort of saying, okay, we're, we're going to almost take it like a, a three-year contract where we're we're locked in in the one one place. And, yep. yeah, I think you're right in that there are so many um, wonderful advantages about travel and moving around and whatever, but some of the disadvantages are that you, you're right, you miss so much and you miss the Christmases and you miss all those things that happen in your home country that um, you think, oh, I would have loved to have been there for that experience, to have seen that, you know, national sort of events. And you're right, that is something that you – can look forward to and that you will be in this forced um, situation of really having to settle in because you'll have to get to know everyone around you because you're not going anywhere and there's no escape you know it is <laughs> and that that's a that's a good thing you know in a way isn't it because you will be able to really lock yourself in to a community you're not going anywhere so yeah it's um yeah 
Yeah, and people won't look at you like you're a, you're a flight risk. No, that's right. <laughs> but but I also yeah, I just think it's really about the mentality. I've never thought about it in that way before because we say that repatriation is you know the biggest move and it takes the biggest mm-hmm. effort. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've been thinking about it in terms of of that and and then relating it back to when I moved to other countries, what have my expectations been in advance? And I sort of have always set myself small expectations or sort of mindsets and things. And I've realized that this is just me doing it in, in a slightly more structured way that I'm just thinking about a little bit more. So I think it's relevant for any move or anything that you do is that you just, you can have expectations, but just be clear about that they might not all be met. (laughs) And so, Mm. and, and, but, but they also may be. So yeah, moving's hard. Kirsty, any tips from you? Do you have any, any tips on that? (laughs) No, I think those two things, I hadn't thought about it in that way. You've enlightened me in that, 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 that whole having to plant yourself makes you just get on with it. And I think you've, I think you've actually hit the nail on the head in that a lot of people who repatriate might do it unwillingly. Do you know that it does come from a redundancy or a health issue or, you know, either, either at either end? Yep. And so, and so a lot of people sometimes repatriate with unfinished business. Um, but I think when it comes to that, that's a mindset in exactly um, in that you've said, no, we're going back, we're giving this three years of this, this is what we're going to do. And you can see that if you have that attitude, you will get involved in the community and cement yourself into that world. And you, if you're going to do that, you can't do it with a, oh, maybe we might move to, you know, Bangor. <laughs> the next you know whatever or maybe we should have taken that job in Peckinboro or whatever you can't do that I think you're right you have to have the mindset of this is what we're doing this is how long we're doing it I'm going to give this my best shot and this is how it's going to work yeah that's what I've got that's what I've got now Kirsty my question for you is about Mm -hmm. how will you plan your year ahead so um, you're going back now to a position which which quite a few expats or people in our community have, which is where they are split sometimes in countries between mm-hmm. where their children are or their young adult children and where they live with their partner for the rest of the time. And so mm-hmm. this is probably you're going to be your first year of back to normal in inverted commas because you've never yes. sort of done this as a, as a normal thing in that now you've got all four yeah. kids in Australia. And so how will you, you're back to regular country swapping, so between Oz and Qatar, and how will that be different this year than last and how are you looking at that in the year ahead? Yes. So I have four children in Australia and one husband in Qatar, <laughs> which means that I have to spread myself <laughs> Evenly, no, but I have to spread myself between the two. It's an interesting thing, Nikki, that I have discovered just in the last little while that people unwittingly let you know what they think you should be doing (laughs) by their reaction. (laughs) So, So when you say... I'm going back to Qatar on February the 7th because, you know, the kids uh, the kids will be back at school and they're all good and, you know, I have to get back to Greg. So say perhaps you were my mother-in-law. You might look at me knowingly like, yes, you have to get back to Greg. 
because he is the most important person on the planet and <laughs> he deserves to have his wife there looking after him and, you know, being his support person. Yeah, being a partnership, which you've done for the last 25 years. <laughs> yes, she didn't say any of that. But I knew that. I knew that. That's what she meant in the nicest, nicest way. And then in the opposite, I get those looks when I say, I'm going back because the kids are going back to the school school, and so they're all sorted and they're good and I just get this eyebrow of, oh, are they? Is that how you feel, that your children can survive without you, that you don't need to be here looking after them? Do you know, I so... It's always going to be that way. I think I'm actually old enough now and perhaps I've got a little bit of um, Mark Manson about me that I have got the subtle art of not giving a flying fig. Uh, So, yeah, so this is what I do. So back to your question rather than um, being frivolous with my answer. (laughs) You know I'm a woman with a plan. Uh, I love a plan. (laughs) Yes, I'm a woman with a perpetual Google Doc. So I have three uh, Google Docs at the moment. One is labelled family travel and I have January to December in that that doc and up the top of that doc it has every child's um, passport expiration and uh, in the old days their residence permits and when they expired they we now have no residence none of them have any (laughs) yes and then it has uh, all the school holidays all the university holidays each child who's at university has put in you know when their exam period is when their exam you know how that all works the child who is working full-time has uh, put in green that she has put in for her uh, first lot of annual leave from June 29th to July 10th so that we know that that's when the family holiday will be. It is, as you can imagine, it has every football game, whether it's a home game or an away <laughs> game, so that I can make the optimum use of making sure that I fly in before the home game and leave, you know, before the after game because it doesn't matter. It has all of those things. It has the Qatar public holidays. It has the live golf tournament that's on in April. It has the gather tournament for the football that's on <laughs> in March. It has everything in there so that all those dates can work around and it's strictly travel related. So that's the one doc. And that way every time a child or a husband asks where are you going to be or are you going to be, I can say look at the doc, just look at the doc. Now, now I've got some questions about this document, which I think is awesome, and I know it's only the first one, but is it in a calendar format or is it in a table format or or is it like because you said it's got all these dates in it. Yes. What's the format? It's colour-coded. It is just a simple Google Doc that has, in fact, I will get it up in front of me, Nikki, as we speak so that I don't miss a thing about it. (laughs) Okay, so this, this Google Doc has been going for a long, long time. Uh, I would say we've had this going since about 2014. And it's interesting who has access to this Google Doc because there are aunties that have access to this Google Doc and there are uh, travel agents who have access to this Google Doc. 
as well. And we have Australian school holidays in green, flights in red, Qatar holidays in blue, exits, which are things that people in boarding schools have where they have to leave the boarding house for the weekend. They're in purple. So yes, passport expiry dates and RP expiry dates are up the top. And then we have the terms so term one, term two, term three. Is that in table four. format or is that just, it's just it's yes. a list of information? It's just a list at, at that, at that part of the doc is just a list. Right. And then, and then we kick off and we do a monthly table. Right. And so. Um, we have, you know, all the boarders, parents' meetings and the return to the boarding house and whatever. Then we have the flights and et cetera. And as I said, we have all the different tournaments. We maybe even put in a couple of birthdays of significant people like Granny uh, <laughs> so that everybody can remember that. Um, yeah, and then we just we just roll our way through so that as each month goes, I just, you know, put across to it and know that it's done and dusted and it gets redone at the end of every year. Once the football calendar comes out, which is usually in the first week of December (laughs) and the school calendar thankfully comes out and the uni calendar comes out. So we've already planned when our family holiday is um, and where we're going. As we speak, I have my youngest child going through villas in Bali to choose four that he will share in the family chat for the top four that go. Um, Yeah, so and a few other things. We've got an F1 happening in like a Formula One happening in Qatar in October, so that's in there. We've got a wedding. We've got friends coming in. That's in there. October's looking pretty busy actually, Nikki. (laughs) Good (laughs) Um, to know. (laughs) Yes. So there. that's what we do, do as in keeping that part of my life organised. And then I have a jobs to do list, which is just for my husband and I, and that's jobs at both houses. And so it can be as simple as hedges that need to be trimmed and, you know, um, I think today's one that we're working on because, you know, life admin, Nikki, it is just that life admin of the tiles on the veranda of the house in town that the kids live in need to be fixed and so you know that's all in there etc etc and then I actually have a doc a doc that's about work that I would like to do as well so I guess what I'm what I'm saying is how I divide up my time is the first thing I have to do is put those things on uh, for want of a better term paper to be able to see what the year looks like and where I need to be because you know it will have I know I've got to be back here October 21 for one of my best friend in the world is getting married for the first time and then October 27 our pseudo grandparents are arriving in Doha so that's tricky but um we will work it out but that those things need to be put on paper before for them to happen yeah. So you prefer the yeah. Google Doc over a shared Google Calendar? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you know those Google calendars? And I'd be interested to know this from someone else. I always get worried because, you know, we I, I, I did do that for a number of years where I had the Google calendar from when I was working at Barefoot and I had the Google calendar that was the family calendar and then my own calendar. And there's certain things you put in your own personal calendar that you maybe don't want your kids to know absolutely every doctor's appointment mm-hmm. or, you know, every person you're having dinner with that they say, well, why, why can't we come? Or... Um, you know, whatever it is. But I just, I never trusted myself to be putting the right things in the right calendar because it was all done from the same iPhone, right? Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with that because I, for work and for various things, I've got like about seven Google calendars going and I, I often feel that as well that yeah. it's a little bit weird so I I am a Google Doc person as well so each of my children yes. have their own Google Docs that we share with all their information that you know their health care numbers and all yes. that kind of stuff that that we yes. do share um within the family um but that doesn't go in because there's nowhere for that on a Google calendar do you know what I mean like yeah. this is like a, a yeah. separate thing so you know, Google, maybe there's a something for that, like the shared, yes. the shared app. But anyway, um, no, but the I'm just interested because Google... I know that some people do swear by yeah. the Google Calendar. Yeah. The other thing for the Google Doc that I would tell anyone with young children, because the people who are listening now with young children would say, well, I cannot imagine a world where I would have a shared Google Doc, you know, because <laughs> when you have a toddler, you yeah. just cannot <laughs> imagine that. But I think a gorgeous thing to do with a Google Doc is to when a child says something that's particularly cute or funny or there's a day to write it down in a Google Doc. Um, I think so much of what our kids do and say when they're little, um, you think that you'll never, ever forget it, but you do, unfortunately. It does leave you because there's too much info. And sometimes when you're looking at your, you know, 16 year old who is now you know close to six foot with a big deep voice it's hard to remember you know those really cute little things but I we were at um so G's mum lives in a, a big apartment building on the Sunshine Coast that is half and half full-time people live there and um, the other half rented mm, out. I'm familiar with that property. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the reason we're giggling for those that don't know is that's the sort of business that Nikki's looking at doing in Australia is doing the management of those buildings. Um, so in that building there's a swimming pool with a spa and uh of course, we've been going there since 2003. We've been going to this apartment building and my children have bounced their way in and out of, you know, the swimming pool to the hot tub to the whatever. And my kids used to call it and I'd forgotten, even though it was it was grandma and granddad's home, they used to call it their hotel. <laughs> so. It would always be, are we going to grandma's hotel? Are we going to grandma's hotel? And it and it, used to, it just used to really make me laugh because it was grandma's home and yeah. it was very much grandma's home with, you know, a little balcony with pots and it was a proper apartment building. Um, but I was in the hot tub the other day, Nikki, because for the very first time I went to grandma's with just G and we left the kids at home because they all have summer holiday jobs and they were all working. And we were just doing a quick trip. So for the very first time I went to see Grandma without the kids. And, um, you know, I, I, the only time I got really nostalgic about it was I was in the hot tub 
um, because I left G to have a chat with his mum. And this little boy, Hugo, who was in grade two, uh, said to me, can I get in? Like he jumped from the swimming pool into I said, sure. Anyway, Hugo went on to just enlighten me about life for the next hour. He just talked nonstop and he was so beautiful. But he kept saying, are you staying in this hotel? And he kept calling it the hotel. And I would have forgotten that my own children had done that had I not spoken to Hugo that day. But, oh, he was so cute, so cute. Uh, anyway, um, so, yes, I, that's, I think that's a beautiful thing for the expats out there. If you are rushed for time and you have small children and you don't want to start a blog like I did all those years ago, just throw those things in a Google Doc and keep them. I think in the olden days people used to put them in an email and keep them in an email folder. But I think the, the Google Doc for keeping those things is I agree. Gorgeous. I think I used to put them on Facebook a lot when my kids were little. Like I would just like I would be an everyday Facebook updater, you know, like I just yes. make a comment. And then yes. now I see the comments come and now I put far, far yeah. less. Well, I hardly post on Facebook at all, but I – and then yes. when I do, I don't post about my children yes. because, you know, it's, it, they consider that to be an invasion of their privacy. Um, and so even though they're yes. not Facebook friends. Uh, so I, I think that that's a great idea because I, when I see the memories come up on Facebook, I think, oh, look at that. That's so special. I'm so glad that I remember I that. Know. And so one day I hope that Facebook will yes. send me a book and say, thank you for your years of contribution to <laughs> to us and for all the money we've made from your data (laughs) we would like you to have this book of every status update you've ever done on Facebook (laughs) and every photo you've ever put on. Remember you could do that at Twitter. Twitter would publish your tweets. You could pay them to do it. I would never have done it because my tweets were so banal. But I remember people who were particularly exceptional yes. at Twitter. Like there are people that should should be on Twitter and should be doing it every day. They should be made to 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 give us all a laugh. Do you know, back to saying about catching up with Kylie Ladd, is that was one of the things our kids said because that was a funny thing, Nikki. We sat down for lunch and we had Kylie's husband and we had Kylie's daughter and I had my two boys there. So, of course, you know, our relationship started basically it was all, all women. I don't think there were a lot of men in our no. Twitter group, maybe one yeah. or two. But um, to have everyone there and then Kylie was explaining to my kids, you know, I met your mum on Twitter and Kylie's daughter said, isn't that exactly what you tell us not to do, talk to strangers <laughs> online? Like, <laughs> yes, but we were and adults. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's what's hard because I feel sorry for kids. I mean, look, they all date this way, don't they? They all date and talk to people online and then eventually meet them. But... Um, I think that that was a beautiful thing is that, you know, Kylie is uh, an exceptional friend and I, and I, I just thought of some of the things when we sat down yesterday to talk about things, I thought things that I've shared with her, um, you know, with things that have been going on in your life and it's not, it's definitely not like we talk every day but we definitely talk with real meaning and depth, mm. you know, like I really feel for her in that I'm happy for her achievements. I get really sad that her mum's not here, you know, yeah. to see them. Things that are, uh, uh, you, you can develop these very strong relationships with people. And I hope that expats are finding the same way of doing this. Um, do you know, well I, well, I hope that that's what our Facebook group 
does Nikki to some extent that people can go into there and find people that are in their area and have people that are feeling the same feels and doing the same things and but yes it did make me laugh when the kids all said hang on (laughs) isn't that what you tell us not to do uh Nikki our three favorite things what are your three favorite things for the week Okay, so uh, one of my favourite things that I have is I listen to a podcast called Offline by John Favreau and uh, of Crooked Media. So it started off as a political sort of um, organisation, but they have a series of podcasts that are not all political. And one of them is is by um, John Favreau and he talks about you know, how our lives are so online, how we are always online and how when you work in industries and businesses where you need to know what the news is and you need to know what's going on, how that just consumes your life and how you can change that, how you can be more offline. Like what do you do to decompress? What do you do to get away from being online and etc etc and I am incredibly online as you know I have always got my phone in my hand and I'm always looking um and it's really scarily and unrelated to this but I just need to say it last night I heard a it was really interesting um I was listening to a rugby podcast which is bizarre but sometimes I do and oh, Eddie Jones got, who's just I've yeah well, it was it was because it's a controversial situation I don't know did you listen to this same podcast last night um mm is that Eddie Jones has just been appointed the coach of Australia and he was sacked by the the England uh, rugby football union so mm. and and they and it's a an English rugby podcast and they interviewed Eddie Jones and he was talking about many many things he was talking about his time in in England and then going to Australia blah 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 but he said this thing and it's it's it made me realize that Everybody, no matter what industry, no matter what you do, you're totally impacted by people's attention span. And he said people pay attention for an average of 19 seconds to something in their lives, like online, when they're looking at something, when they're reading something. It's the average is 19 seconds. And like for a rugby coach to be quoting that, like it just seemed like it, it, it just this, this, this problem of, of, you know, being online and being on and your mind moving around all the time, it permeates every part of our lives. And it's even, you know, people at elite sporting levels. Anyway, that just sort of came to mind. But he, yeah. um, but John Favreau did an interview with a guy called Johan Hari, who wrote a book called Stolen Focus. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've, I've read it and I have listened to several podcasts about him because he was, yes. he was, he was also, yeah, on Mamma Mia Out Loud, wasn't he, and on uh, conversations and those yeah. things. And there was also something, there was a, oh, what would you call it? Um, there was a bit of a hiccup there, wasn't there, where the intention of his book or something, like he was sort of questioned at some stage, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure because I haven't actually listened to all the other things. I have yeah. heard him mentioned a lot because it's it's considered quite a you know big book yes. at the moment. So he yeah, yeah, yeah. he took himself offline and bought a and com- had a computer that did not connect to the internet and went away for three months, and yes. his brain rewired. And it's about how that actually worked and etc. Anyway, the interview was very interesting in that he talked about how he did that and how it made him feel and how. He changed his mm-hmm. view and things and the way things connected. And so that was really interesting for me. And I had 
been on my phone recently. So I so I started me thinking about you know doing things to to be offline, like to be completely offline. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things was my phone recently updated, and you know you download an update on your phone, and then it's the, the whole phone turned black and white. My whole phone turned black and white. I remember messaging going, "Oh my god, my phone's black and white. I don't know what to do." I took screenshots, and when I'd fixed it, I realized I was sending you screenshots that were just totally normal screenshots of a phone like you didn't see anything different but I could only see everything in black and white and it was part of a a sleep type a sleep mode on my phone so I can now now I have my sleep turned on on my phone so from 11 p.m at night till 7 a.m in the morning my phone goes black and white so um and and what you find is it's not as interesting to scroll through TikTok and Instagram yes. when your phone's in black and white. You don't yes. just do sort of endless scrolling and whatever. And I've and I've worked really hard to not turn it off. Like it asked mm-hmm. me on my watch, would you like to turn off sleep mode? And I'm like, no, I won't. <laughs> um, I did once because I went, oh, I wonder if that works. And it did. I was like, oh. And, of course, then at more time on my phone. To say that it was a really interesting podcast and it made me start to think about my relationship with being online all the time and how what incremental ways I could look at to um, change some of that. And one of the things I have done is that I've turned on this thing on my phone every night to to do that. So I feel a little bit, you know, hopefully yeah. that's sending me in the right direction. Anyway, that's my that's first favorite I've thing. got that yeah. night thing on my phone as well. I've also got it. T- my phone tells me to go to bed as well. Have you got yeah. that where it gives you a bedtime reminder? <laughs> But I get it in the morning, sorry, you didn't meet your sleep goal. Or congratulations, you met your sleep goal. I'm like, yay. Um, Okay, the second one was also a podcast. Uh, I've been doing a lot of podcasting, listening later. And I'm pretty sure you've also listened to the same one. Um, It was an episode of Hard Fork, which is a New York Times podcast. And it was about chat GPT. Yes, and I loved TikTok. It. Because yes. TikTok's recently got my algorithm. I think I said this last time. And so I, all of a sudden my phone says, you've spent 12 hours on TikTok this week. I was like, I've never spent one hour on TikTok. Like what is going on? Oh, really? And so I've had to bring myself to attention to say, Nikki, 12 hours on TikTok is excessive. <laughs> like I know it's not for my daughter who probably runs through that in a day but uh, in her holidays, but I was just like, that's a lot. Like, what are you doing? And so I, I listened to the, I was really interested in this. Um, it's like a New York Times IT podcast. I don't know. I don't remember subscribing. It just appeared in my feed. I don't know what that's mm-hmm. about. <laughs> Maybe it's my algorithm. Yeah. But um, it also talked a lot about chat GPT and how um, Microsoft is engaging it into Bing and we should expect Bing to make a comeback over Google with the SEO mm-hmm. searches. And, and I was really interested in just all how that worked and it mm. made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. I sent it to like loads of people. You should really listen to this podcast. But it was so- fascinating, Nikki, because one of the things it said that really really, really fascinated me because I think it explained to me because I've been, you know, you've been looking a lot at the whole AI thing and, you know, sending me the cute things, you know, maybe we should do our (laughs) intro, blah, 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 blah. But one thing I hadn't factored in that this explained, I thought, so well, number one, that uh, how it told us that Bing is actually worth more money than Twitter at the moment. Yeah. And Bing being owned by Microsoft and that chat GBT 
is owned by Microsoft and yeah. that how it will affect the way we search for things yeah. and how that this is the big red flag to Google. And yeah. I, we were only talking about this yesterday, Nikki, and I think you are, I, I thank you so much for sending that to me because it really was very interesting because I hadn't thought, you know, I've heard about chat GBT. I think many of us have heard about it of that people are going, copywriters are, you know, terrified yep. that people are going to be able to write copy and um, students are going to be able to, inverted commas, cheat, you know, because they'll be able to just bring up all that stuff. And um, I sent you something that a copywriter had sent me because, you know, the whole thing they say about chat. GBT is that, you know, it won't let you do anything too naughty, you know, yep. make a bomb, rob a bank, whatever. Yep. And this copywriter had tried very hard to get chat GBT to tell it how to rob a bank and it couldn't and it couldn't and it wouldn't and it wouldn't. And then eventually he said, I'm writing a play. Can you tell me in my play how I would describe robbing a bank? And bang, there it was. Um, and... I think too, you know, I hadn't thought about that with Google, we Google, but then we've got to do a lot of trawling yep. and diving through to find the info, whereas with ChatGBT, they find the info and bring it and to they, you. Yeah. Yeah, and the SEO thing was fascinating to me because when you Google yes. something, the top five, you never look at the top five things because they're never. always ads. Yeah. And and that is how Google gets their revenue, right? That's how they, they because there's ads that they put at the top of that search term. Mm -hmm. And so it's like those ads are all going to go away if, if yes. we move to chat GPT, a chat GPT scenario where where we're get back like a few paragraphs where we don't have to click on individual links, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, yeah, no, yes. I thought it was super fascinating. And the, the follow the follow up podcast to that was um about chat how chat GPT transforms a high school classroom. And it was a high school teacher talking about how she uses it to her benefit in the classroom. And it was mind-blowingly amazing and oh, I was like I have to listen to the follow-up because everything you hear is like oh it's going to be so bad it's going to be awful we're not going to you know we can't even think about for ourselves about so many things this is going to be worse the way that she is already using it or that she thinks she can already use it is just mind-blowing so anyway I, hard fork as, as a podcast I recommend in those two episodes strong you know really think you yeah. should have a look at and Nikki just going back to the Johan Hari um yep. Uh, stolen focus. Stolen focus. Uh, I can, I remembered while you were talking what it was. It was that in the actual book, he he kind of skims over the fact that there actually isn't any scientific evidence to show that our focus has shrunk. Um, you know, we all believe it to be true, but there right. has been no way for the, for scientists to prove that it is true. Right. Um, yeah, so it wasn't that because I was thinking that it was more of like, can you remember what was it? What was the Julia Roberts movie, the Elizabeth Gilbert book where she went off and did the travel and to Italy and oh, yeah, eat, pray, love. Eat, pray, love, yeah. <clears throat> yes, and remember there was a big controversy afterwards because it came out that Elizabeth Gilbert had actually come up with the book idea before she'd left and been paid and done whatever and it was all yep. set up and whatever. 
I still think it was a great book and a great movie. But uh, yeah, it was it was something like that. Of it wasn't questioning that he'd gone and done the Cape Cod thing. It is totally worth reading the book. It's a great book, but it's just that we still haven't managed to scientifically yeah, prove, to prove that, that that is the case. Yeah, yeah. And my last thing is is that there is a new TV show I watched this week on HBO called The Last of Us. Oh, now, I've seen that. Not it's watched got it, but I've seen 99% it. Ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. The premise oh. is this: it's a post pandemic world. <laughs> I mean, and the pandemic is a fungus that gets in your brain. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, no, you don't want to know. Like you just don't want to know. And then that turns you into this zombie-like creature and then you. I'm out. It's like the walking dead. I'm out. So it's like, so it's, it's, (laughs) like everybody raved about how it's going to be the next big thing and how it's going to be amazing and they're introducing it one week at a time, you know, the drop. You not 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 everything at once, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to go and watch it. And of course, of course, I'm going to go and watch it. But I watched it, and I was like, I, I really like. There's two the two main actors, um, uh, Bella Ramsey, who played Lyanna Mormont in Game of Thrones. So she was like this child head of an army in Game of Thrones, and I, I really liked her in that. And this guy Pedro Pascal, who is in The Mandalorian, he's the main guy in The Mandalorian. And he's also uh-huh. he was also in Game of Thrones, coincidentally, uh, and so I like that. But I just I'm like, are we ready for this? I was I was listening to another <laughs> podcast yesterday about how uh, a lot of novels written during COVID and, and being released since COVID don't talk about COVID, like they don't mm. talk about you know all this sort of stuff. And someone was saying how they had read a novel that was very deep about COVID, about how the person had anxiety about leaving the house and how they couldn't mm. see their family and friends. And this person and the person talking about it said, I'm just I'm just don't want to read that. I'm not interested mm. in it. Like I don't like it. Mm. And 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 I was thinking about like, well how do how will we know in the future how COVID affected us? Like we know how it affected us, but how will our children and our children's children mm. know if we don't have things written about it? That's about COVID, mm. not about this fungus brain eating thing. But I, but I was thinking, like, are we? I mean, I know The Walking Dead, super popular, very huge. I've never watched it all, but certainly watched some of it. And I'm like, are we ready for like another part of The Walking Dead? Like, I've, I feel like that's what it might be, but because it's yeah. got 99% on Rotten Tomatoes and because it's got these great actors and because everyone's saying you have to watch it, I'm in. Obviously, I'm in. I mean, you're youngest than me. We can chat about it. I'm sure he will watch it if he hasn't already. He'll be on to yeah. it. But he's the pop culture person in your house. But I'm just like, you know, I, I, I've, I'm I, going to watch the next episode, but I just, I'm, I'm on the fence about do we really want to buy into this? Like do we need to worry about another pandemic so soon? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because there's other ones that do it so well, you know, Lucy by the Sea, Elizabeth Strout um, talking about, you know, that pandemic sort of a snippet that gives you a snippet and a window of what some people did with their lives. But, yeah, yeah I'm with you. I don't want the fun. I don't want anything that tells me that we could possibly have another pandemic, that's for sure. <laughs> so I don't want you giving me any ideas of what could happen next, <laughs> particularly with my brain. Um <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't mind clever. Um, what was it that I watched? I liked the Boris one. What was that? England Forever or This oh, Is yep. England or yep. whatever. I thought that was really good. That was really very good. much about during the pandemic and how poli- yes. politics worked. And I thought, I thought that was yes. great. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I just yeah, don't know I'm, whether this I'm is... I'm with you. you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't want anything that's going to bring me down. I'd like a good insightful story. <laughs> well, I'll okay, keep you updated you. on the side. All right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so my favorite things I watched a couple of nights ago, she said, which is the story of the, and this has only just come out too. I love the way now on Apple TV, you can get those releases where they're still in the cinema. How are they doing that? I don't know how they're doing that. I guess uh, I paid a substantial yep. amount to rent it, but it was totally worth it. It was really good. So she said is the true story of the two journalists from the New York Times, Megan Tui and Jody Cantor, who published a report that exposed Harvey Weinstein. Oh, is it based um, on their book? Yes, and or it's it was yeah. they were the launching pad for the Me Too movement. Yeah, um, so it was so good for a number of reasons. But the 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 thing I enjoyed the most about it is it 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 shows you how much investigative journalism had to be done, how much work had to be done. It gave you, it made me go, yep, I'm going to keep paying my New York Times subscription cost because it's worth every cent um, because this is proper journalism and this is what's what journalism is meant to be. I mean, those sort of journalists are almost like police people. Do you know they're, they're, they're really doing their research and asking the right questions and going back and going back and putting themselves in really uncomfortable situations Um it was so enlightening. I mean, uh, also they they got the characters really right. The the guy that plays Harvey Weinstein, you never actually see his face, but the body shape of this guy, it's like oh, so him. Um, and of course, they use some um, current actresses that were victims, um, like Ashley Judd and Rose Byrne, um, and then they pretend to use other actresses like Gwyneth Paltrow, etc. Um, it's interesting because they start, it sort of starts with the information that, well, you can see at the beginning one of these women, this is the other thing I really like too, one of these women is the mother of three small children <laughs> and so you see what her life looks like trying to manage three small children and an incredible job and then the other woman it gets becomes pregnant throughout the movie has a baby has postnatal depression etc my unconscious bias and i hate saying that word now that uh, harry has made it a word that everybody's <laughs> talking about <laughs> harry's ruined it he most he's taken it and used it like journey um <laughs> but uh yeah so my bias because i kept looking at these men going oh gee he's a good husband and thinking, stop it. He's just doing his job. They're his children too. My daughter calls that internalised misogyny. Yes, it is. <laughs> I've got it in the spades. I've got bags of it, bags of it to give away. And so, yes, but it was it was really, I, I, I think, you know, it's that whole thing, you can't be what you can't see. I loved that they included that in the story that you saw the, that, that that is what it looks to be a professional woman and um it wasn't that they were doing too much it was just it's hard for both both parents to keep your career and and keep your children alive um so 
that was really good and just hearing the stories was absolutely harrowing. To give you an idea, it has an R rating and it doesn't have an R rating because you see any of the sex. It has an R rating because they tell you what he said and what he did and um, it is absolutely shocking. They used the real tapes. I don't know if you remember they had the real tape of a woman that was in there cleaning his room. Um, It just is really, really well done. So it's called She Said. And I think too, you know, there was a danger with that movie that it had all been overexposed, you know. This this all happened back in, what, 2000 and I think it was about 16, 17. Oh, actually, I don't think he went to jail till 2020. So, you know, it's been... We've had three years of this, and um, but it's still I found I thought it was brilliant, brilliant watching. So I would say she said is worth seeing. Um, I love Smartless the podcast. You know that this week uh, or they had in the last week they have had Steven Spielberg. I thought he was brilliant. I thought they're gushing over him. So for those that haven't listened to Smartless, it's Jason ba- Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean. What is Sean's last Hayes. name? Sorry, Hayes, thank Sean you, Hayes. Sean Hayes. And they always know all the same people and they have great chats. Um, uh, Emily Blunt was a great one, as was John, what did they, they call him Kraz, um, you know, because they have shared houses with people, worked on several jobs with people, et cetera, et cetera. But it was fantastic to listen to Spielberg. You just forget how many amazing movies Oh, he's my God, made. how many movies he's made. Every time they mentioned a movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a Steven Spielberg Jaws, too. Yeah. yeah. It's Jaws. like, God, you go back as far as Jaws. How did you do Jaws and then do a movie like Schindler's List? Like, and Jurassic you... Park came out in the yes. same year as Schindler's List. I was like, no way. It's yes. just crazy. Yeah. Oh, look, I really loved it. I thought it was really interesting, even to learn where the, where the term blockbuster came from. I didn't yeah. know that. It's when you've got a line around the block, um, which is what they had when Jaws was released. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really worth listening to. So if you don't listen to Smartless, listen to it and look for Steven Spielberg. Um, and then my other little tip, because I wish I had done this with my kids when they were younger, if you happen to be on school holidays at the moment and you're on your way back to school or you're planning your next vacation break and you have children that are tall enough to hold a golf club, Go and use the driving range. I just think I wish I would have done that. It is an inexpensive, excellent way to burn some time and a fun thing to do. And it's just not something I factored into summer holidays or, you know, to do with kids. And I think probably because I didn't go to the driving range, whereas now I do. And I go there and I look at all the people with young people and I think, oh, that's really clever. Yeah, you know, because you're you get you know seventy five balls for you know however I don't know how much it would cost in your country wherever you are, dear listener. But where I was, it's really not that expensive, and you go and stand in the same spot, and your child can just whack, 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 whack. And if you want, you could give them a golf lesson, but you don't have to either. But it is a brilliant way, and even if it's in the winter, you can do it because you're undercover. I just, it's something that I wish I would have done with my kids because that's something you can do with four kids. Awesome. All right. Well, because uh, my two of my family are currently winging their way to Doha. So this morning they got on a plane and uh, transiting through Doha on their way to Brisbane. But um, oh. you're not there. 
You're in Adelaide. I'm so not always. there, <laughs> which is a bummer. They won't be there for very long either. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so early morning here today and um, and I, yeah, uh, to, yeah, by this time next week I'm going to be by myself here for a month, which I'm very, very excited about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what does what does the month look like for you? Because you're, you're still working, right? Or is that yeah. finished now? Yeah, no, it's still, still, still doing some part-time work. Um, I'm quite involved at the school at the moment. It's the first week back of the new term, so we've got a lot of uh, new starters, so the um, – being the transition chair, I'm uh, involved in that. So helping out the new starters and making sure that they're all connecting into the school community for the new families. Um, and, yeah, I have a lot of plans, but whether those plans will ever come off, who knows. I'm very interested to see living by myself, am I going to be a messy person or am I going to be a tidy person or how is that going to work? Am I just <laughs> going to leave things around or am I going to tie them up straight away or... You know, so many thoughts I have about things have I want to do. Have you ever lived by yourself? I don't think I've ever lived by myself. No, I've always oh. shared with people or lived with other people. I don't know. Yes, because see. for those who don't know, Nikki was a child bride, whereas <laughs> I didn't get married. I didn't Dude, get married. I was 28. I don't think it's a child <laughs> bride, but I lived with other people the whole time on the way through. <laughs> Nikki, at what age did you meet your husband? I was 18, but I didn't live with him the whole time. <laughs> okay. Yes. But so, but did you live by yourself or did you have flatmates? See, I've had I flatmates. I lived by myself. Once I was, oh. once I was a grown-up, grown-up, when I was 27, I moved in by myself. So I lived by myself for two years before I oh, look at you! That is grown up. My husband, yeah. <laughs> so I did the sh- I did the flatmates, and I I did the you know go back home and live with mum, and then move out and go back home and live with mum. I can remember being down the street with my mum. Only an Australian from the country would say down the street, wouldn't they? But I was down the street with my mum, and someone said something about. Um, Kirsty moving out. My mum said, "Yes, but the problem is she keeps moving back in," <laughs> <laughs> um, which I did. But no, so I think I, I think I would have been twenty seven, maybe younger. But I did move into my little two bedroom flat on my own. And oh, look yeah, at you! That is grown up. Well, I'm well now. I'm now just. I um, can imagine I'm twenty seven with less flexibility and less. You late can, we'll you see. can, and you've got money in the bank, and you'll cook and do good things, and still Will continue. You? Do with you your cook dipping. for yourself? I'm very interested in this whole process. No, but we'll see. No, I, I can tell you the minute my children, there'll be a window of about five days where my kids will go back to boarding school, and I'll be doing cleaning the house and getting ready to leave the country. And, yes, I will quite happily have a small tin of tuna on a Ravita biscuit and <laughs> revel in it that I've nobody's asked me what was for dinner and I haven't had to involve, you know, making sure there's three different vegetables on the plate. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. You should enjoy every second of it, Nikki, because, I, yeah, like you said, there's going to be a stage coming up in the next while where you and your husband are going to be working closely together day in, day out, so you make the most of this mm. month. Yes. I'm excited. Okay. Yes. I'll speak to you next week. Okay. Bye now. Bye.